A lot of people when they do or market mini sessions, they're like true mini sessions. They're like 20 minute sessions. I don't think that could ever work for me because so much of what I do is connecting with my moms on this, you know, emotional level and trying to relate to them and, and create, you know, these evocative images. And I don't think I can do that in 20 minutes. A lot of us, if we're not there currently, will probably at some point in our career or life have a family. And it, when you have a family, things change. And it, I mean, I know for me, it was one of those where it's, am I ever like giving enough to all of these areas? Am I giving enough to my business? Am I giving enough to my family? And in this conversation with Nikki Santer, we talk a lot about that, of balancing loving and loving being a mother and a business owner. She is the co-founder of the Hybrid Atelier. And and we talk a lot about that, which is just that she has this heart for people who are wanting to get into film and maybe just dabbling in it. And it's a really, really great resource. So this is a really good conversation. You're listening to The Photo Report. I am Braden Flynn, your host, and let's get into it. Before we get into the episode, just a really quick new announcement is Film Supply Club is just launching a YouTube channel. It has a lot of content. I've sort of combined the artist report, some of the photo report stuff you can find on there as in the past. But this new channel is going to be a lot of education. We're highlighting some incredible photographers. Was just out in New York filming with a bunch of really heavy hitters where it is talking about how they do their work. Some of it's behind the scenes. Some of it is comparing film stocks. But if you shoot film, I think this will be a really great resource for you and would really love any feedback on that. So just search Film Supply Club and you'll find it and really hope that you dig it. Now enjoy this episode. Well, hey, Nikki, thanks so much for being on here and excited to have a conversation with you. Brayden, I'm so excited to be here. So excited to be chatting with you today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, for people that don't know you that well, what what do you do? I am a self-proclaimed heirloom curator. I am a fine art film hybrid marriage and motherhood photographer. So I primarily specialize in shooting weddings and portraits of mothers with their babies. Oh, how fun. But the, the marriage and motherhood, so you're shooting weddings as well as moms and their babies? Yes. So I have been in the process over the last 18 months, really since my son was born, of trying to shift my focus a little. I started out shooting weddings and came into the motherhood piece from some personal experiences that I'm happy to talk about as well. And after my son was born, I realized that instead of my business was maybe 90% weddings, 10% other portraiture. And going through the process of it, you know, I struggled with infertility, and then being able to carry a healthy pregnancy, and then giving birth and you know, that season of infanthood with my son. Um, I just have such a heart for motherhood. And so with this relaunch and this rebrand, really trying to shift into 50 50. So my my time will be split. Uh, I'm still taking weddings. I still love weddings. A lot of people have asked if I plan to step away. And I, I don't, see there being a season where I don't do them at all. But I think being more being able to be a little more selective, especially while my family is really young about the weddings that I take on, um, so that I can focus on Mason, um, and my motherhood clients as well, creating a client experience for them, um, in addition to my wedding clients. Yeah. And, and what does that look like? I guess with 
yeah, what describe motherhood portraiture and, and what you're passionate about there and, or what you're trying to come away with, with portraits. So a lot of photographers that focus on motherhood, it's like bumps, births, and babies, which are all very important aspects of, of motherhood. It's how you get there. It's how you get to this season. But for me, I love to document motherhood across seasons and not specifically the, from the children's perspective, but I like to document motherhood from the mother's perspective, from the woman's perspective. So I, one of my favorite motherhood sessions that I did last year was it was generational portraits. It was this woman and her two-year-old daughter and her aging mother. And I, I loved that session because I love to, to be able to see what motherhood looks like from the perspective of a new mom with a toddler. But then that mom is also still the daughter, you know, of her mother, who's now, you know, in her mid sixties and what, what that season looks like for her. And so for me, motherhood is, is sweet in seasons of infancy, but there's something so tender hearted about it as well as, as mother's age. And I think that part of that has to do with fact I'm, my mother is one of my best friends. She's my hero. Um, I strive every day to be more like her. And so I look at the way, you know, that our relationship has changed over the years and the relationship that she has with all of my siblings as we're all adults, as we're all starting our own families. Um, and so creating imagery for these women that, that shows their children, yes, this is what your childhood looked like, but this is who your mother was during your season of childhood. If that makes sense. Yeah. And what, what does a session look like? So you've obviously you just described that one with the uh, three generations, but let's say a typical session, you come into a family, are you, are you shooting at homes? What are you, what are you doing? I love working with my clients in their homes um, to create sort of that lifestyle feel imagery. I also twice a year do studio sessions. I don't own my own studio, but I live in Richmond, Virginia, and there are a few really great studio spaces, beautiful, historic, you know, these, these big floor to ceiling windows, natural light. Um, so twice a year, I do reserve those um, spaces so that I can provide studio type of portraiture. And I love those days. It's been really good for me to create boundaries in that way. So I know that twice a year, these are the days that these sessions are going to happen. I can educate my clients about when they are. They can plan their schedules accordingly. Because for my clients, a lot of them are working mothers as well. So the times where they can be photographed with their children is on the weekends. And also my weddings are on the weekends. Um, so blocking off that time, you know, ensures that I've, I've made that time for those clients but I'm still going to have a few weekends with my own family during the year when I'm not shooting weddings. So anyway, if there, if it is a lifestyle session at home, likewise with the studio session, I like to spend a little bit of time getting to know my mothers um, beforehand. So I send a questionnaire just to sort of get a feel for what this season of motherhood looks like for them, how old their children are. I also have a big hand in helping plan the styling portion. So what my, my clients are physically going to wear, both for the mothers and their children um, and dads, because sometimes dads do come to these sessions as well. Dads are very important. Um, but you know, we Thank wouldn't you. have place without without them. Yeah. But I, I like to spend a little time working with them on the styling portion. And part of that is as a mom, I know that that can be a pain point um, that not, especially for working mothers, not a lot of them have the time to go and shop for their entire families for a session. And a lot of them 
don't know where to look. They might know the style and could show me examples of images that they like with, you know, particular types of clothing, but it's not going to be, it, it's hard for them to find an actuality. And so I, um, for each of my clients before these um, studio session weekends, I create a styling guide that has links to actual clothes that they can purchase. Um, from like different designers. And I really love to shop with boutique companies. So I will go to these boutique companies, you know, find examples of clothes that I think are going to look really great on my clients that are going to make them feel like the best versions of themselves, but also are going to like translate really beautiful and especially on film when they um, get their images back. Uh, so that styling portion is part of the process. And then for the session itself, it's really important to me to um, create a space for my clients where they feel like they can be a, a vulnerable version of themselves. And so I think that one of the biggest ways that a photographer can connect to their clients in a way that creates evocative imagery is trust. Um, and I think that part of that is being honest with your clients. For me, a lot of my moms have felt this connection to me because I have in, you know, on my social media, um, shared about my struggle with infertility. I shared, um, a lot about what that season looked like for my family. Um, I, my very first mother that I photographed, um, was actually my sister and we had just announced to my family that it was going to be very hard for us to have a child on our own. And around the same time, my younger sister came and told our family that she was having a baby. Yeah. And so um, that I am also very close with my sister. So I was so happy for her, um, but also knew how hard it was going to be to create these photos for her because of my own emotional struggle. Um, so instead of using, taking those emotions and channeling them into like resentment and I didn't want to go there. Um, so instead I just created these really beautiful film portraits. It was also the first session that I ever shot fully on film and my sister wasn't a photographer. So she, I tried to explain to her that they were going to be lovely and beautiful and, uh, you know, growing up in the digital age, digital is safe to a lot of people. And so my sister was like, wait a second, there's, you're not taking any with your digital camera. There's just all you film. And I, I was like, you just need to trust me. It's going to be so great. Um, you know, and, and it was those photos. I don't, and it, a lot of it had to do with the fact probably that it was my sister. So I was emotionally invested in her as a subject. Um, but that was sort of, you know, the, the first hit that I got on the motherhood, yeah. you know, those were maternity photos. So yes, while she's still they, pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were maternity photos. And then it's been so cool because my sister is, uh, she's an incredible mom. She works so hard, but she's getting ready to have her third baby. And so I did to see how, you know, the transition of, you know, what my film work has looked like from her first maternity pictures five years ago, even to the photos that we just did of her this year. It's been, you know, a really sweet transition. 
I mean, obviously you've got your sister who's been in your life for a long time, but with most of your couples, are you, couples, we'll go with moms on this case. Are you trying (laughs) to go, you know, do sessions over the years or are you just sort of one and done? Obviously like repeat clients are great, but (laughs) I guess, how do you, how do you vocalize that or do you vocalize that at all? Yes. That's a great question. Um, so when my mom's, when a, when a mother is expecting a baby and she initially inquires with me, I send her, um, sort of a picture of what her client experience could look like. I present her with multiple options. So I say, we can do this one portrait session for your newborn, you know, for X rate or, you know, for this investment, you could have, we could photograph your whole first year. Um, and so I booked a lot of those last year where it was, we did, um, either maternity newborn in one year, or I had several moms that chose to do newborn six months, one year. Um, and it's so sweet to come into this client's home and see, you know, how a baby changes so fast and a year is not a long time, but in the span of infancy, they, you know, they, they change so quickly. Um, so a lot of my clients will do that way. Um, I have a unique way that I market my studio sessions. Um, I don't announce them on social media. I actually have, um, a newsletter list that I have created and I only, it started with just my clients that came back every year. So all of my repeat portrait clients were on the list first. Um, and then a couple of times a year, I will say, you know, I'm getting ready to send the email about, you know, the studio sessions. If you want to be on the list, you know, send me your email. And so I only launched to the email list and I sell out every time. Um, so I, now that I have done, you know, there are, is a ton of research out there on email marketing and, and, I think that it's so smart. Someone recently said to me, I think it was on a podcast actually that I was listening to. Um, how, it, how would you market if Instagram was shut down tomorrow? You know, how would you find new clients and how, and I don't, I don't think that I'm great at that in the wedding um, p- part of my business because I've bested so many relationships on social media with other vendors. And that's like where brides are to, you know, planning their wedding. But in terms of this portrait side of my business, um, I don't leverage social media as much. And I try to instead reach into those, um, relationships with clients that I've worked with before. How fun. And with just looking at your studio deal is doing that twice a year. How long are the sessions? Are they 30 minute sessions, hour sessions. Um, they, I book them at our time slots. It, I'm usually shooting for around 40 minutes and that gives us a 20 minute buffer that I can make sure the mom's feeling comfortable that we can switch gears. If the child isn't handling the session really well, I've also found that especially for toddlers, they can't sit, they, you can't expect a toddler to do what you're asking them to do for a two hour period of time. So that like 30 minute period of time, (laughs) right? So that like 30 minute sweet spot, um, of shooting time and then built in time for interactions and, um, has, has been good for me. I also think because I'm shooting film, a lot of people when they do, um, or market mini sessions, they're like true mini sessions. They're like 20 minute sessions. And that 
I don't think that could ever work for me because so much of what I do is connecting with my moms on this, you know, emotional level um, and trying to relate to them and, and create, you know, these evocative images. And I don't think I can do that in 20 minutes. Yeah. So I always try to build in more time, you know, rather than less. Thinking of a studio space where it's just a white wall and, you know, lights and stuff. Do you bring in pro like, are they just up against a white wall or are there things for them to sit on? What do you, what do you do in that time? Like an hour in uh, front of a white wall. I'm trying to think of what in the world would I do with the people? What do you do? Yeah. That's a great question. Um, last year I rented an Airbnb for the studio quote unquote studio space. And I did have one white wall in the house that we used. Like I had, you know, a bar stool and the white wall and we created really portraiture type style things. But there's also this really beautiful bedroom that I was able to take the moms um, into that room. And they were able to like toss, you know, the kids and tickle and play around. And those felt really lighthearted. And then outside of the Airbnb was this beautiful flowering, um, cherry blossom tree. Cause it was in the spring. And so within this hour time period, I've got an assistant with me that's helping me watch the clock, but we're spending about 15 minutes in front of the studio wall, about 15 minutes creating the, that lifestyle feel and then about 15 minutes outside. So when their gallery was delivered, they had three very distinct looks, but we were able to execute it um, in a short period of time. And how do you price that versus a typical shoot? Um, so they are priced in a price point that is between they're not priced like a mini session, but they're not priced like a full two hour session. So I do mini sessions in the fall at a Christmas tree farm. And those are like your Christmas card photos, you know, they're come stand in front of a pretty, you know, field of Christmas trees, get your Christmas card photo one and done kind of things. Um, so this is a little bit it's definitely more of an investment. I also bring in hair and makeup um, as an add-on for these studio type sessions. Um, it's not mandatory, but last year, all of my moms took advantage of it because I hire an assistant to come and entertain the kids. So while the mom, mom has an opportunity to be pampered a little and it's, you know, helping to add to that experience, there's someone there that's helping to care for her children so that she's able to enjoy it. Um, you know, and then we move into their session. So, you know, and then I, they also have album add-ons and so it, there's a base price and then they're able to, um, it can increase incrementally based on what they choose to add to their experience. Got it. And typically what are people like, what would your average package be? Well, I guess what would include or what are most people, are they buying an album? Are they not buying an album? They bind prints, not bind prints. So for the motherhood sessions in the studio, a lot of them are buying prints. Um, I also started a subscription program last year that allows these moms to pay a monthly rate. Um, and they get two sessions a year and an album at the end of the year. And basically they're paying the same that they would if they were booking the sessions individually, but they have an option to pay monthly on it. Um, which is not something that I do, you know, for other sessions, but at the end of the year, I know that they're guaranteed going to be getting two sessions and they get the album out of it. So that 
incentive has helped me to sell more albums in that way. Um, and then my clients that book the three motherhood sessions in one year, those are always the ones that add, um, yeah. add the album. On. And I think part of that is because it's, you really get to see the progression, you know, of the, of the child in that first year. Um, and there's something really sentimental about that for a mother. Um, these motherhood collections, I will say though, a lot of the moms that brought their own mothers. So those generational type photos, they weren't buying albums for themselves, but they were buying albums to gift to their mothers. How great. So that was really nice. And what size are the albums that you're making for these moms? They're 10, 10 by 10, 10 by 10. It's a good album. Mm -hmm. And who do you use for the album company? Red tree, red tree. Mm-hmm. How nice. Uh, mm-hmm. So having that you were working a lot with weddings and now moving more towards motherhood, have you, what have you been doing on the branding side of things? Are you having to do a full like rebrand? Like what does that look like? I, oh friend, <laughs> it just, it's just been a really long process. Um, and a labor of love, but it's also been really eye-opening in so many ways. Um, so I started the process right around fall of 17. So it's been about a year and a half and we're almost done. We're getting ready to launch. Like it's a thing that's happening instead of just this thing that I talk about all the time. Um, so, you know, we had to, First, I had to vet and do the process of, okay, there are so many talented people in the design industry. There are so many great web designers. Who am I going to choose? And so I really found people that I related to, that I related to their work, that the aesthetic was there, that the personality was there. And instead of having just one web designer and brand designer, I sort of have this team of like five people who specialize in different things. So they're bringing in their own, like I have a calligrapher who's like doing some spot calligraphy and I have the brand designer who has just done, you know, my logo and that type of brand identity things. And then I have my web designer who is putting the website together, you know, and then there is the person that the studio that's doing my collateral for my business cards and my stationery. Um, and so it's really been a process because I am a bit picky. And so I knew, and it's much easier for me to say, no, I don't like that. Or no, that's not what I want than it is for me to vocalize exactly what I want. So, um, (laughs) Jeff and Jordan, I love you. Appreciate you (laughs) for dealing with all my crazy. And I also worked with a marketing specialist who helped me write my copy for my website. Oh, wow. It was really important to me to, um, be intentional with the words on my page. In addition to being a photographer, I'm also a writer. So I write a, a lot of contributing content for, um, like I've written for Cottage Hill and more love letters, um, some other creative magazines. And so the words on my website, I knew were as important as the photos to me. I knew that I, the message had to be there as well. And so I hired a marketing specialist because I'm really great at writing beautiful, pretty poetic. That's my writing style. But I also wanted to create copy that was going to convert. If I was getting eyes on my page, I wanted to know, I wanted to tell people, you know, about the services that I offered, but also 
get those inquiries rolling in. So bringing in like a brand strategist, marketing specialist was probably the best investment that I've made, you know, in this whole process, because the website is going to be so beautiful. But at the end of the day, if it's not converting, you know, potential clients into customers, then, then you just have this pretty website, which is great, but it needs to be both. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, do you have the words that you can share? Do you know what they are? That you, guys, that you came up with? Oh, yeah, I do. I think, yep, I do. Um, so we, my new, it's not like a tagline. I guess it is kind of like a tagline. Um, so my brand is understated luxury, bespoke heirlooms and evocative legacies. And so that's like what this whole piece is going to be about. So it's a fine art photography experience for brides and mothers. So, um, they will have the choice when you get to the main page to choose if you're there for marriage or motherhood. Um, and then there's also going to be four photographers because, um, Brayden, as you know, I co-founded the hybrid atelier with Shannon Moffat. And so there's a ton of resources for photographers that I have worked on over the years. And I wanted there to be a home for that, that sort of thing as well. Yeah. What can you tell for people that don't know what hybrid atelier is? What, what is it? Um, so the hybrid atelier, um, started as a newsletter community. Um, and it was called, something different that is I'm forgetting. (laughs) Oh, it was called the hybrid society, but at the same time, the rising tide society launched. Uh, And I was like, well, I can't be the hybrid society if there's a rising tide society. Um, so it was just, I had started shooting film. I loved the medium. And at that time it was pre e-course era. So it was before there was all of these great resources for people learning that wanted to learn how to shoot film there. You you can attest to this in 2014 and 2015, there was a gap in the educational industry. Yeah. Um, part of, of the photography realm. Um, there's a ton of resources on business and on digital photography, but there, when it came to trying to find info on film, there were amazing mentoring opportunities and amazing in-person workshops. But, um, in terms of digital resources, there weren't as much. And so Shannon is one of the most like tenacious people I've ever met. I love her. And she just sent me an email and was like, have you thought about how like you can make this a thing? Because I think you could really like turn this community into some, into like a thing. And so Shannon's dream was that we would have, (laughs) Shannon wanted to be like a TV host. I think ultimately (laughs) she could have had the, you know, the hybrid atelier TV show. She would have, um, she's quite the personality. And, um, and she is, is the dreamer of the two of us. She has all of these, um, grand things that she would love to do. And I am very much action step in every part of my business. I also love to dream, but I also like to try to figure out how to make them come to fruition. Um, so we both believe that there is a gap and there's a need in the community. And so we just started as a YouTube channel after, Shannon and I got together. And so it was like the Nikki Shan Shan show. We would just talk about our lives as wedding photographers. Um, we would do a weekend wrap up where after we shot a wedding, we would come back and talk about things that went right and things that went wrong and how you could learn from our mistakes. And, um, and it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. And then, um, 
around the time that we had hit a year mark. I found out that I was expecting and then Shannon not long after found out that she was expecting. And so we were like, we had these ebook collaborations that we wanted to do um, and put in our shop. And so we were like, okay, well, before these babies get here, we got to like crank this stuff out and get as much done as we can. So in that nine month period, we wrote an introductory guide to film and we wrote uh, the basics of hybrid editing um, as a guide. We wrote tips for marketing for high-end um, wedding photographers, um, a guide to shooting film indoors. Um, we did a really interesting review of um, the um, digital back what is the name of like the, the company? Phase one digital back. Phase the, one, yeah. yeah. So we got to um we got to try those out and write a review of it. And that was really cool. And then the last thing that we really did before um, we had to sort of shift into mom mode with our babies was we wrote a collaborative ebook series with Michael and Karina. And it was all about um, creating fine art film imagery and like how to bring um, editorials to life and working with vendors and marketing. And, and it was really great. And it was, um, I learned so much as a photographer just from digging deep and trying to bring these this information to the community. And um, if and I got one of the best friends that I will ever have out of it. Shannon is wonderful. And um, yeah, it's all it's all there. We have taken a step back from it for this season just because our boys are little and need us right now. But uh, but there's also a blog and lots of great resources. We um, have a ton of like behind the scenes on creating images and lots of really talented people have contributed to that too. So how fun. Where, what is, can you sp spell that French little word at the end? Yes. Um, it is pronounced atelier and it is A T E L I E R. Thank you. And You're people welcome. can just go to hybrid atelier dot com dot com mm -hmm. dot com awesome and so back back to you what the um what have you learned through having to rebrand anything in, uh, in regards to like what are, what are things that you have been really focusing on and whether that's intentionality whether that's like the strategy with the images that you're picking because i mean going through and you know looking through your catalog of work and then restructuring things, it's obviously a process and it's been a process for you, but I guess, has it showed you anything or brought anything to light or, or where's your intentionality behind it? That is a great question. I have learned that um, a good designer is worth their weight in gold and that you get what you pay for. And it is a worthy investment to, um, to hire designers that know what they're doing. Just like it's a worthy investment to hire a photographer that knows what they're doing. The design industry is the same. You get what you pay for. Um, where, and so just, I sorry just, to stop you in the middle of that. Like, where do you find your people? Because it's like you hired a marketing person, you hired a designer, you hired a web person, all, all these sort of things. Where are you, where do you find your people? Um, I did my due diligence, I guess, and my research and I, went to people that I admired I get on social media who were 
shooting the types of clients I wanted to be shooting, where I wanted to be shooting them. And um, not that I modeled at all what I'm doing in my brand, but I looked at who they worked with to create their brand identities um, and looked at their body of work and the types of clients that they work with um, and sort of... I wanted this to be, I've called it a brand elevation instead of a rebrand. So instead of, because at the end of the day, your, your website is a part of your brand. It's part of your brand identity, but it does not make up your brand. I, as Nikki Santier, am my brand and I have been the same through this process. Um, and I guess I just wanted to, to show that the experience and the type of imagery that I'm creating and the vendors that I want to work with and the clientele that I want to reach, it's all, I'm trying, just trying to elevate that to the next level. Um, I really try to operate on, I'm not looking to the left and the right of me in terms of where I want to be. Um, but I'm trying to be better than the former version of myself. And so, um, that's, I looked at, my old work, you know, and how I could communicate that my work has gotten better. And I looked at um, the type of, we wrote, you know, a, um, my marketing guide and I wrote this very detailed description about my ideal motherhood client and my ideal bride. And we gave her a name and, you know, said where her favorite store to shop at and how she spends her free time, you know, and what is most important to her in terms of her imagery and in terms of her life. And we really had to get down to the nitty gritty of figuring out who that person is that I'm talking to and then building a, a site that talks to that person. Um, and so we're almost there. It's almost ready. I think that um, within like the next month, it will be ready for the world. And it feels very much like birthing a child because yes. I'm working, <laughs> working on it throughout Mason's toddlerhood, which is a, a reason why it's taken so long. Um, because Mason only goes to school two days a week right now. And I'm fitting in all of my work during those two days and at night after he goes to bed. Um, so that and I do, I do and say everything with so much intentionality with how I interact with my clients, with how I interact with vendors. I don't enter into things lightly. So it has um, taken me, not taken me a while, but I've just tried to be really intentional with decisions. Um, in terms of colors, like that shouldn't be something that holds you up. But um, I, my, designer. Her name is Jordan Cotton. She is the one that did is doing my brand design and she is so incredibly talented and she is in Richmond, which is nice because I'm also in Richmond and that doesn't always work out that your designer is in the same city as you. So we have been able to co-work a lot on this project together, which has been such a gift. Um, and she really pushed me because the original what we originally set it on or what I chose originally was very safe. And it very much felt like what my old stuff felt like. And she was like, this is great and will look great. But if you really want to elevate and move forward, then you can't play it safe anymore. Um, and so I needed that. I needed that like kick, you know, like if you want to be better, then you have to choose the thing that is better, not the thing that is safe. 
What so, I guess is there a way to describe what that like? What was it that was a little bit less safe that was better or bigger? For me, yeah. that was choosing um, very specifically. That was choosing a logo that feels very fashion forward. Okay, feels very minimal, very luxury, very high end, instead of the like whimsical, soft, scrolly calligraphy. She also something that Jordan did that was mind blowing to me was she does a market analysis of all of your competitors and she sends it to you in this beautiful PDF of like what price point your competitors in the market are at and what all of your logos look like beside each other and what all of your home pages look like beside each other. And that information to me was gold because it's not that I want to, I don't want, I want to be Nikki. I don't want to be anyone else in the industry. But when you look at my website, my current website, my current homepage against every other fine art or film photographer in Virginia, all of our homepages look the same. Yeah. All yeah. of our logos are beautiful watercolor hand letter and they're beautiful, you know, but I, and it, it, it was it was fine to play it safe for a little while, but Jordan really was like, if you want to stand out, if you want to be the the person that is remembered, then you have to do something that doesn't look like all of this. And that was hard for me because I, you know, being safe is comfortable. <laughs> totally. <laughs> totally. And what, I guess, what did you come up with for your description of your ideal client? Like who is your ideal client? Oh, she, um, she, I have like a whole profile that I could read you about her. Um, but she loves art and music and she spends her time, um, exploring new cities and she, um, you know, she thinks about, the generations that are going to come after her looking through her wedding imagery when she looks at her album. Um, she prefers handmade, locally made, boutique made, well-made things over mass produced. Um, she, you know, enjoys mealtime around the table with people that she loves. Um, you know, she is somebody who, you know, is talented in her own right and has a career of her own. And, um, she's worried about creating a marriage that stands the test of time, not, you know, in addition to the wedding day. And, um, she's concerned about creating an experience for her wedding guests that is unique. Um, she wants her wedding, you know, if all of her friends are getting married, she wants to do things, um, that aren't necessarily what everyone else is finding on Pinterest, things that are unique to their story. Um, so she's a badass and I just really want to be her friend. So I'm hoping that she finds my new website. <laughs> totally awesome. Yeah. It's, it's good to know who you're going after because I think a lot of the things that you do then put forward really comes across as like, this is my person. These are my people. Right. And, um, you know, I think, getting into a season where I realized that that person might not, you probably not that she doesn't because I think I'm kind of all right. And I live in Richmond, but like, you know, I'm not going to find 
100 of these women in Richmond, you know, that, that branching out and, um, you know, a lot of my brides right now live in DC. And so trying to, trying to build relationships that are sustainable across markets, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And with obviously your, how, how old's your babe? He's 19 months. 19 months. I was trying to think of how old my youngest is and I can't do months very well. So December. He will be two in July. Yours will be. Yes. Two in July. Cool. Um, yeah, mine's December. So we're a couple, one in a little bit, one in a few months. Um, but yeah, so 14. You do have a little babe. Yours are not all, cause I know you, you, is your oldest nine. Oldest is nine. And then the youngest okay. is 14, 15 months. Godspeed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a lot. Um, but how, how has adding a, a babe to your life changed things and how is that like, has it changed things? Is it changing? Brayden, how approach? hasn't it changed things? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how has it not changed everything? Um, having a baby has been one of the most sanctifying <laughs> it, you know, it has pointed out all of my flaws but also he has every good part of me in him and he is just the joy of my life. And I had to wait, you know, a long time to be his mom. But I, you know, the moment he was born, I was like, I would have waited, you know, a thousand years just to, to meet you again. Um, he is so funny and loves to make other people laugh um, he's, he is starting to under like to be empathetic, which is really cute. Um, he loves to steal the show. He loves to dance. He likes to be the class clown, the center of attention. Um, he was born and I didn't realize that my capacity would change so much in terms of my business. Um, and I think it's because for the first year I was kind of duped. Because I was like, this is great. He can sit and play on his pretty little mat in my office and I will get all of the things done. And then he started becoming mobile. And I was like, man, like your whole, you got into, we got into a good groove and a system. And then I was like, where the heck is daycare? Cause like this kid needs to go. Um, I really struggled because I wanted so badly for so long to be a mom and he was born and I got everything I'd ever wanted. And I really thought that that desire to pursue my work and my business would wane a little bit. And I was very surprised when it didn't. And I learned very quickly that while I believe being Mason's mom is my greatest purpose in life, that I still feel very passionately about the work that I do, that I still very much believe in serving my clients and that I am not, I can't be a stay at home mom and that, and I'm not even, I'm not going to say in that be all that I am, because I think that women that choose to be stay at home moms are more no noble than I, I know for me, for Nikki, that I have to have both. I have to have a little bit of both. And so trying to create a balance and it's not even a balance, you know, Carrie, who has been on your show a couple times, she's a who. Um, Perry said that owning a business and being a mom is not a balance. It's a pendulum. And when the pendulum swings to motherhood, you're all in. But when it swings to work, you have to be all in. 
Um, and that has been one of the best parenting advice that I've heard, you know, from somebody that, that, that juggles both. Um, and so I am trying to figure out a better, better boundaries, um, because I worked a lot in the fall and, um, Mason had last year, he had, um, some food allergies due to Mason has a rare condition called mast cell disease or mastocytosis. Um, and so for the first year of his life, like navigating what that looked like and how it just basically means he is highly susceptible to allergens. Um, and he has these really cute little spots all over his skin that he'll probably have until adolescent, you know, until he hits puberty. Um, and so, you know, trying to, we had to navigate that and, um, we're, you know, in the process of getting ready to sell our house and buy another house. And all of this sort of came to a head in the middle of my busy wedding season. And so just trying to figure out like, okay, well, I have these clients that I have to serve and this work that I have to do, but also I have to figure out like how to be mom in the middle of all of that. So this year, creating better boundaries just looks like having a cap on the number of weddings that I take in a month or the number of weddings that I take in any like consecutive given amount of weekends. Um, and not everybody has that luxury. Um, what something that I have learned since becoming a mom, especially a mom in within the creative community is every family is different and every small business is different and every small business like has a different bottom line that they have to provide for their family. And so really learning that what, this season looks like for me and what balance looks like for me, it's not going to look like for other people. And likewise, what looks like, you know, a lot of work to other people might not be a lot of work to me. Um, so just really uh, listening to yourself and knowing yourself and knowing what your own capacity is, um, has been challenging, but we're getting better, you know, with each season. Yeah. And with, I guess with that, do you, I guess sort of what you were describing with wanting Mason for so long waiting and then all of a sudden having these not conflicting feelings, but it did feel very conflicting. Yeah. Like what, how did you deal with those thoughts? Like, did they beat you up? Did they not? Did, you know, I guess, how did you interpret those feelings and how are you still? Oh, um, I think at the beginning, it felt like guilt. Like, oh, does this mean that I'm not a great, I've wanted to be a mom for so long. Does this mean I'm not a good mom because I feel this way? Or I, it was, it was never, am I not a good business owner? Because I feel like this part of my life is something that I have thrived in and it comes naturally to me and the drive and the passion is always there. If anything, I have to remind myself to like take a step back from it and that this is not everything. Um, and I think that that surprised me because I thought once the maternal instincts kicked in that I wouldn't think about it anymore, that it would just be like a non-factor. Um, so it started off as guilt. And now I think, I think also in your initial season of postpartum, your hormones are doing crazy things to your brain. 
and you're not really thinking like a rational human being. And so now that I, you know, that Mason's 19 months old and we're in a little bit more of a more stable routine, I can, and I'm not in that fog anymore. I can see um, that being this version of me, this mom who also works is going to be a really good thing for him. Um, because I think it, because I work, we have the lifestyle that we do and we're able to give Mason opportunities that we wouldn't if I didn't work. Um, because I work, I think that and do something that I have built with my own two hands. I think that it's going to teach Mason the value of hard work and commitment and creativity and, you know, all of these things that I love about running a creative business, I hope, you know, to, to give to him one day. Yeah. I love that. And so just, I guess some other thoughts would be, sorry. You're okay. Uh, I don't know how to turn my phone off from ringing on there. Um, I was worried because my husband, like my texts sometimes come through on my computer too. And I was I basically, it was like, don't text me <laughs> until I text you. I can tell you it's okay. Um, yeah. Was just wondering, are, I don't know how much are you, it sounds like you listen to podcasts, but are you a reader as well? Do you have any favorite books or business books or family books that you like or come to mind? Books. Yes. Um, I love to read. Um, I don't have as much time to devote to it in this season as I would like to. Um, but I know that one day I'll send Mason to school and I'll have more time. So I just, I remind myself that even though it feels it's a season challenging now that it's not going to last forever. Um, and, and also I feel like there has a lot of women maybe unintentionally, say things like, Oh, but you're going to miss it so much. And, and you know, that, that may be true, but I also have tried to remind myself and other moms who are in similar seasons, other creative moms that like, um, I, I think that, and maybe it's because I'm a photographer and I know how fleeting moments are. Um, I reminded myself a lot when he was little that this season wouldn't last forever. And so I tried to be more present in it. And so when I look back on his first year, I don't feel like I missed anything. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have this like, Oh, well, I didn't hold him enough. Like all of the photos that I have of him from his first six months are like, he's on my chest. So, you know, like, I feel like we did that enough. I feel like we got enough of that. Um, and so I'm grateful, super grateful for that. Anyway, books. Um, I am reading right now. Yeah. Happiest toddler on the block. All right. And dude, it's good. Yeah. It's so good, but it's good because it's really, it, te it teaches you about communicating with your toddler yeah. so that you avoid tantrums. Cause we're Mason is very headstrong and we're in a season where, um, he is smart. And I say that not like, Oh, I'm your mom. So like, I think you're the coolest kid ever. He is very intelligent he has, he speaks a lot for his age per our pediatrician. And so, um, he has all of these complex emotions that he understands, but he can't verbalize well yet. And so we're dealing with a lot of tantrums, yeah. um, and like biting. And so, uh, a friend of mine at church was like, I have this book that I think you yeah. would like. 
Um, and it's been wonderful because it's teaching me how to communicate with Mason, but it's also teaching me a lot about communication in general and how and communication in relationships and where communication failures happen in marriage and how to avoid them. And so even though it's teaching me about how to talk to my toddler, I feel like it's kind of teaching me about how to talk to my husband better too. (laughs) Um, and so I'm really loving that book. Um, I was on the book launch team for my friend, Jane Johnson, um, for her book, Mercy Like Morning, that came out in the fall. Um, and I would be amiss not to mention it because it's about um, her 10-year struggle with infertility and how that struggle ended with um, two miracle babies. And it's just, she is, her story is just really incredible. Um, so I recommend that book. I let me what pull about up podcast my, that you listen to. Which podcast do yeah. I listen to? Yours. All right. And um, I've listened to. I love Dak Shepard, and so is it the Armchair Report? Yeah, is that uh, something like that. Something about armchairs. So um, I think he's really funny, and enjoy that one. Um, listen to Jenna Kutcher's podcast on occasion. Um, I. The Joneses, Davy and Krista Jones, were my first brand designers. They did my like first three versions of my website, and they're they're they have some really great resources for photographers. And so he's been doing some new podcasts that I've been listening to as well. Um, I tend to listen to podcasts for business related things and read books more for pleasure. I, read, like, a lot of, I love Hannah Brencher. Any of her books are really beautiful. Um, she released a new one last year. And then I forget who the author is, but it's a a popular book. Is it All the Light We Cannot See? I just started that. It's a novel. Um, Yeah, those are, I have, I have read Quitter. That was a great, that was a great book. Anything by John Acuff. Um, And there's another guy who writes a lot of business books who's really popular and also has a podcast, but his name is escaping me. Um, who are some of your favorite since you're a podcaster who yeah. you go to for podcasts? I listen to almost everything business related. So, and, and I, and I read for pleasure as well, but I also read business. I, I listen to a lot of audiobooks. Um, right now I'm listening to growth hacker by, Ryan Holiday, who is the marketing director for American Apparel back when he was 25. That's a great book you can find on Audible. And I mean, a lot of stuff too, because I've got Film Supply Club. I'm I'm constantly trying to figure out just like running a business and how to grow and how to have some, not just focus on growth, but focus on quality and focus on product market fit and, you know, all those sort of boring things. But I, I've listened to a lot of, I've, I came across a guy cause his name is the same as my brother's Pat Flynn, which is smart passive income. And so that's a lot of online marketing type stuff. And 
uh, I think I said that Tim Ferriss, the Tim Ferriss show. That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. podcasts. He does a really, really good job. I've, I've listened to a ton. There's startup podcasts. That was, I just really, really enjoyed that one because it's done more of like that NPR type style. It's Alex Bloomberg. Yep. Really good. Um, Seth Godin has a podcast now. It's called that Akimbo. That's the guy. I have read several of his books. Yeah. So he's got a podcast called Akimbo, which is A-K-I-M-B-O. And that one's really great. Really intrigued by real estate investing, and I've got uh, the Bigger Pockets is a mm-hmm. great one. Or Bigger Pockets podcast for real estate investing. Yeah, got a few. My my husband and I in the car. My husband really likes the Joe Rogan podcast. Yeah, he's a so great interviewer. We listen, we listen to Joe Rogan in the car, and then we also um, listen to Dave Ramsey a lot as well. Um, so yeah, those are some of my favorites. You. I would love to ask you in talking about your podcast and film supply and your family and your photography business, you wear so many different hats and what, how do you, um, how does the pendulum work for you? I won't ask you about balance, but like, how does the pendulum work for you and that? How do you um, manage all of these creative things simultaneously? Yeah, the pendulum is always swinging and it swings very, very so much far and wide. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> it, it is a, a, a well-working pendulum. So yeah, it's, it's swinging. I, I, I have been trying to train myself to be less deadline driven. And because I've been my whole life very, I think I'm someone that needs deadlines so that I can have a little bit of adrenaline so I can get stuff done. So now I just have adrenaline going all the time. <laughs> and no, but I, I, I do, I force deadlines for myself. I'm doing a lot more pre-planning for things like the podcast. I mean, I have, I will have recorded three today, you know? And so I am doing a lot of sort of, I'm trying to batch things where I can batch. I'm trying to outsource where I can outsource the things and really focus on the areas that what are my strengths and double down on my strengths and then outsource my, not as much my weaknesses, but more so it's stuff that I can do, but it just, I don't need to But that you don't have to do. Exactly. It does. It's not making a difference if I do it or if somebody else does it. And then that also comes down of my perfectionism, which sometimes gets in the way. And even though I'm handing things off, I'm still micromanaging or I'm still like going back and double editing because I like to have things sounding great. And, you know, I want to get as many ums out of the conversation and, you know, right. so yeah, so, so I am, I'm outsourcing is, is many little things I record when there's processes that I do a lot. I, I put on a screen, I use Camtasia and I'll record the process and I'll sort of talk through it to be able to say like, okay, well, this is how I put together the intro for the podcast. And it's always this sort of formula and here's how you do it. Here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I'm not looking for. So do this, you know? And so I have in, I've, I've had different office managers. And so just in having to retrain someone, I started going through that process by then just like creating all these how-to videos. How do I do this? How do I do that? Just all the things that I can sort of automate and so that's been a big process of trying to do as many as much of that as I can. Mm-hmm. And then it really comes down to also setting vision and sort of a why behind him doing things because there's a lot of things like this podcast. It's not making me any money and it takes a lot, a lot of time. Of time a ton of time to do the interviews, to then go through and edit. It's costing me money because I'm not paying people to do some of these things. And, 
So it's coming back to then why am I doing it? And, and for, because I've done things like the artist report for almost three plus years and I've gone off and on with not really having a why and I was just doing it and I really enjoyed it. And then it's like, but it's taking so much of my time. And those were all video interviews. And I had to like video editing takes a whole lot of time. And, and it would come back to like, this is taking time away from my family. So why am I doing it? And coming back to then, you know, launching the photo report, or that's the podcast, launching film supply club. And that's, that's more so too, is I've, I have, I have so many ideas. And part of it is I've got a few friends that I would always come to with a new idea, like, Oh, new idea, huh? And it would be like weekly or monthly. And some of it too, is like always talking about ideas versus sort of putting your money with your, where your mouth is and actually just executing and, and, creating and putting out content and just starting is one of the hardest things I think for me or for a lot of people. But then once you start, it's then also the follow through. So, I mean, I've talked about this in other episodes, but the the whole idea of trading time for dollars and I am the sole breadwinner of our family. My wife stays at home with the kids. She's an incredible mom. Um, I mean, but she has her master's and she she's worked and she's been a Pilates instructor and, you know, a lot of different things. But for this season, choosing to to be home with the kids and, and we made that decision together. And so, okay, that means that like I have to be bringing in this kind of money. And so that means this for our relationship and a, a lot of conversations that sometimes we haven't had enough of those, but having to learn over time being, okay, well, this season I am traveling every weekend for the next two and a half to three months. So I'm going to be home for three days, gone for four days every week for the next two months. That's going to be really hard. So how do we just, this is a sort of like having a young kid, like this is a season. So it's, it's being able, even, even though you set up expectations, it's still really hard, but being able to remind ourselves, like, this is why we're doing it. And for my wife to be on board with that and be supportive of that has been really huge. Um, But I think that that's come from communicating and, and decisions together, being no expecting that this is going to be like this or this is going to be hard. Right. I think that that is such a sign of health and wisdom in that way um, is managing expectations. Like we have to do it. You, we, you think about managing expectations in, in terms of your clients, but I feel like it's um, not always something that comes to mind when thinking about communicating with your spouse in that way. But I think that it's, you know, a good way to get everybody on the same page. What are, what are some things I going back to outsourcing? Um, I just hosted a retreat um, for creative mothers last weekend. And it was like the sweetest time. It was really quick. It was just 24 hours, but we talked a lot about um, like, managing both business and motherhood and and pain points and things um, to alleviate some of that stress. And so I talked a lot about outsourcing. So I would love to know what are some like some of your biggest things that you've outsourced that you realize like you can't live without now. And that's a big reason why I shoot film as well, because film, it's one of those things where I can basically shoot photos and send it off to my lab and then I get it back looking just how I want it because I've had a lot of communication with my lab. So they, they take over a lot of the editing and then what's that? What lab do you use? Richard photo lab. Yeah. And I've used them for a lot of years. And the, also then with the digital editing, I outsource that because most of the time the digital edits, I, I do the calling for that. So meaning I go through and I pick the, 
saying, I know you know what that means, but for anyone else who might not, is I go through and I pick out the photos that I would, I would want to be included and I would want to be edited. And then I send those off. I've had someone that's done my editing for a lot of years. She was in-house until she started having babies. Now she does it from home and did a lot of years of training her to get them to look. And now she, I think she holds a higher standard to sort of what I would just be like, that's eh, fine. Um, and so she does a great job, but there's a lot of really great companies that, that do editing. There is edited by artists, which are friends of mine that do it. They're based out in New York and it's, I think five different photographers that take on work. There is, Dang it, a few more. There's Photo Fafa. There is another one that I'm edits. Photog Photographer's Edit is what it's called. Um, and I actually, there's an interview that I did. It was a, uh, called the Boca Podcast. And mm -hmm. they're interviewing me and I forget which episode. It's a few episodes back on the photo report. But they were interviewing me and they have a basically the founder Nathan of that started photographers edit. And so he was a photographer for a lot of years and did that. So those are three different places you could check out. And I would say if editing is not your strong suit, or if it's not something that you feel like is really adding to your brand, that is something that's an easy outsource move. So you just go to shooting and then you can be home and be with your family when you're home, you know? And so that would be one big thing. Um, so a, Little known fact yeah. about me. Um, I have been a private editor oh. for a number of years because it was the thing that helped me to bridge my income when I wanted to leave teaching. So my master's is in elementary education. I taught for a number of years and I taught simultaneously while building my business until it got to the point where it was very, you know, apparent that I needed to make a choice. <laughs> And I think that I chose very wisely um, because teaching is not for everybody. It is a very noble thing that I was not meant to do. Um, so I started taking on editing clients. And as my business grew, I have taken on less and less and less. But I still have some of my original girls um, that I edit for. But it's not always me doing the editing. I have two associate editors that edit underneath of me. Um, so that's really nice because they're both moms who now have small children at home. So even though like I've booked the, the clients, um, I can sort of, it helps, you know, create a stream of income for them, which is really nice. Um, so if anybody were to have an editing need, um, while it might not be me personally doing the editing, um, we specialize in like that film emulation. So yeah. digital like film, um, how would people find you or inquire yeah. about that? Nikki at Nikki Santer.com. All right. How do you spell your last name? S A N T E R R E. There you go. Um, so I got, I got into editing because of, um, there was a, a course that Melissa Jill was Caitlin James um, editor. And she did a course on how to become a private editor and started like a Facebook. And so, um, you know, I used to advertise with them like when I first made the transition away from the classroom. But as I took a step back from editing to pursue all of the other things, um, I, I'm not as involved in that community anymore. But if anybody needed an editor, I know a ton of people and can put them in really good hands. Yeah. Well, amazing. Uh, Ed, but yeah, I would, so it sounds like you're an advocate of that as well. But I think that's that's one big thing that can just get you away from being in front of the computer. I mean... Film is another one of those great things. 
Right. I, I say anything that creates a pain point for you in your workflow that you don't have to do, give it to somebody else. So for me, that's culling. I'm a very fast editor, but with my own images, I get so it's like an emotional attachment. I get hung up and I'm like, well, the nuances of these are so different, even though to other people, it's so subtle that they wouldn't notice to me, I have a hard time letting that go. And so I don't call like as soon as I get home, I upload and I send it off to be called. And then I can get the edit part done so quickly. That's not, you know, the thing that that takes a long time for me. So whether it's editing or calling, or what, what, you know, whichever piece it is in your workflow, it's that one thing that's, that's getting you hung up and you're spending the time on because either it's so painful for you that you avoid doing it, or you're not great at it. It takes you so long to accomplish it. That is the thing that you need to give away. Totally. Yeah. Another, another one that's, I would say pretty easy because most creative types are not strong in this area is finances and your bookkeeping. So I've had, I've had the same bookkeeper for, uh, I probably, I don't know, over 10 years, but she's also gone to bat for, I, I was audited twice, which is always a fun thing. I never even met with the auditors. She did it for me. That was incredible. I got audited for payroll. So, you know, when you have second, this is just a word, word of the wise. When you have second, I'm, I'm also an S corp. I'm not a sole proprietor or a LLC. And so there's, uh, there's a couple different things with that. And I mean, when you're making a certain amount of income, being an S corp actually will end up saving you money. There's double taxation, things like that technicalities, but the, the way that you are, I, I also have to be on payroll and I, I don't know how it would work with an LLC, but I know basically it was audited for, um, payroll. So all of, all of the second photographers, second shooters contracted work, if they did not have their own business or they did not have their own photography studio or their own like business ID, they can't technically be working for you without being on payroll in, in a situation like that. So being able to have the, had to make sure we had W9s. And then I was also edited or edited, audited for, uh, payroll. No, I just said that for, um, sales tax. And so going through and, you know, learned a lot about that and how here's just another thing as a photographer, if you give any physical item to someone who is booked you for photography, you have to charge tax on the entire package. So if someone books you for a wedding and you include an album and they're, maybe they're paying more for it. And let's say, just for numbers sake, you have a $5,000 wedding package and you sell a thousand dollar album. You now, if, if they book you and sorry, if they book that package at $6,000, instead of just paying sales tax on the thousand dollar album, you have to, you have to charge sales tax on the entire $6,000, you know, the longer, longer, longer conversation. But, um, yeah, that's just something to be, to be smart on. And if people have questions on that, you can just direct message in at, uh, you know, at the photo report and I can give you some input, but yeah, th- so those are things. So outsourcing your bookkeeping, I would say would save you a ton of time. Um, bench accounting is a really, really good spot. You get your own, it's, it's virtual bookkeeping, but you actually have your own dedicated bookkeeper. And so you don't actually have to like go look around town 
and and find someone to bring in house, which is like I who unless you have a great recommendation, it's you're like I don't know who to hire. So Bench is a really really great company, and if you are a Film Supply Club member, we've got a discount code for members to save you a bunch of money for you know your first year at Bench. And I know they do. Um, we're coming up on uh, tax time again, so. They actually do catch up bookkeeping. If you are procrastinating, you haven't done your your books for 2018. So that's a huge, huge resource. Uh, I think it's bench bench.co is their website. I had never even heard of them before. That's a great resource. Yeah. So outsourcing stuff like that. Uh, I know there's a lot of for like the podcast I already mentioned. I I use people to just like put together the intro, the outro, adding the music, fading it in, making sure it's balanced. And then they say they get rid of a lot of the ums and ands and pauses, but I still have to go back through and do a little bit of that. Uh, for photography, I mean, I've, I've had office managers here and again, and I mean, I'm now... I also used to do about 60 weddings a year and, you know, I'm now doing... I don't know how many I do. I probably do like... 15 to 20, but for me, that's a pretty manageable number and I don't need as much help with that. I feel pretty, pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, I think really the piece of advice, like some, some people will tell you to like figure out what your weaknesses are and work on those. But I really say double down on your strengths, do those. What are like, I, I had to go through this whole worksheet almost that I made for myself, but really thinking through like, what are the things vital in the business? What are the things that I do that nobody else can do? And wrote those down. And then every, like, and working, like writing down every single piece of my process from someone getting booked all the way to the last time we talk, everything in the middle, what are the things that are typically happening in a day and wrote all of those down and, you know, came to it and found like the things that I need to be doing is selling and networking. Those are things that I'm really, I'm really good at and shooting, you know, and outside of that, nothing else really matters really. Right. And, you know, same, there's a lot more that I could be delegating with film supply club, but then that just comes down to, you know, more money and pain and, and looking to grow and also just probably not having all of my eggs in that basket. So it's just sort of like, it's doing its thing. It's doing well. And I'm just trying to make sure people are happy and stoked before more growth happens. Yeah. I think that that's awesome. Um, I last year just brought on, um, a an assistant full-time and she has been a godsend to my business she is my permanent second shooter so she like assists and second shoots all my weddings um and that consistency has been really great for me it used to be my husband but then we had mason and one of us needs to be at home with mason on saturdays um so then i brought on kara who had second shot for me a lot um you know and assisted and other things before I brought her on full time, but she started managing a lot of the behind the scenes things in my office. And so some of the biggest tasks that I gave her that were important to maintaining my relationships and good for growth and good things to do, but are sometimes things that get put on the back burner because they're not always a priority when say like managing the client relationships and the imagery and all of those, you know, take priority, take precedence in busy season. So Kara does all of my submissions. So she curates galleries and, um, you know, she has shot these weddings with me. So she knows what the day is like, so she can write the submission story. 
um, and sends them off and finds, you know, publication homes for my work. And that has been really great because it's, it's good things, good marketing practices, um, you know, things that are beneficial to do, but I don't always have the time to do. Um, and then I always send, um, galleries to the vendors from all of the weddings that we shoot. And I was finding that just because of lack of time, it was ha- still happening, but happening later than I would have liked. Um, and so Kara handles that now. So once a gallery has been delivered to the client, um, Kara handles the vendor communication from that point. And that's been really helpful. Just like two quick things that are part of the process. Um, but that not, I don't necessarily have, I mean, she's signing the emails from me, but she's, you know, I'm not the one sending them. Yeah. And realizing I also have had someone that works for me. Um, Emily, if you are listening to this, I wasn't meaning to exclude you, but she's worked for me for a lot of years and she does all of my like client packaging and giving out, sending out welcome gifts and thank you gifts and anything that goes out in the mail. She is making it look beautiful because I, I happen to work in a very feminine I have industry used and gift companies you know, in the past I'm a, I'm for that. And, um, but <laughs> so in an effort just, and, and it's also just like something they don't necessarily need to be doing, but so she offer, makes everything look way I wanted better to offer make it look and um, send it out. things in my welcome packages that were made by local makers. So like um, things that you couldn't necessarily wouldn't be sold in a, in a gift box. So Kara now does the packaging of that, that sort of thing. And it's good because I am, I, I know myself and I am a, you know, the typical creative, I'm very type B and I'm a mess. My, some of my family call me sister twister because I leave a path in my wake. Like I'm just, and so I like to give that to Kara because, you know, especially like the welcome gift and things like that. It's, some for some of these brides, a lot of them, if I haven't met them in person yet, my brides live all over the place now. So it's the first thing that they're receiving from me that's not an email. And so I want it to be beautiful and look well curated. And so I, um, it's been good to have somebody uh, to delegate that to. Because if Mason were involved in the packaging, there might be choo-choos. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Well, hey, I think that's a good place to wrap up. And I think you shared some really great stuff. Appreciate your time. Where can people look you up? Um, you can find me at um, at Nikki Santerre on Instagram. Um, and the new website will be ready so soon. Um, so stay tuned to NikkiSantere.com. And uh, this was wonderful. Thank you for having me, Brayden. Totally. Thanks for sharing and can't wait to check out that website. Thanks. Really hope you loved that episode and go check out the hybrid atelier. You can find that nikisanter.com slash the hybrid atelier. And just a little reminder to go subscribe to Film Supply Club's YouTube channel. Just search Film Supply Club in YouTube and it should come up and there's going to be a lot of good stuff. So excited to have that coming out. Any questions you have about anything, feel free to send over a direct message at The Photo Report on Instagram and happy to answer that. Love any shout outs, any Instagram stories, just to hear what you're listening to, what you like and what you want to hear about. So thanks tons and stay tuned to the next one.